0: Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great ESPN podcast, First Take, Her Take, hosted by L. Duncan, Kimberly A. Martin, and Charlie Arnold gives you a peek into their lives as they navigate careers and relationships while giving their unfiltered opinions on the sports world's hottest topics. Listen to First Take, Her Take, wherever you find your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for watching on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is Foxworth Friday. Dominique Foxworth, what's going on? Man, a lot. It feels like there's always
1: a lot. I guess I need to appreciate these times before the summer hits, for real, and there's not a lot. It's coming.
0: That is correct. (laughs) It is is absolutely coming. Just to let you guys know, we're going to talk about some of the holdout maybes, retirement maybes that are going on in the nfl also a reminder to you the right time book club starting june 13th king of the world by david remnick check it out it is an excellent people surprise winning biography of muhammad ali want you to get that also hit the voicemail line 860-516-4119 tell us about a fantasy football dispute that you yourself have witnessed very similar to tommy Pham and jock peterson but first we're gonna stick with baseball a little bit uh Dominique, I, we talked a bit about the Tim Anderson, Josh Donaldson thing, like we talked mostly about me talking to Tim Anderson, but you had not seen what happened with Josh Donaldson yesterday, and I was just sitting at the crib and I was reading this, and so the headline is "Donaldson Colin." Yankee's lack of support was hurtful. OK. Oh wow, I looked on the page when I looked on the page, you know what was there? A clip at the right time, but Tim Anderson talking about Ooh, what was going on nice. I see you.com there we go <laughs> still remembering our work here all right so here is what Josh Donaldson said uh because you know Aaron Boone the manager was like "Yep, oh, he shouldn't have done that Aaron Judge is like nope I didn't think that was the right thing to do here's what Josh Donaldson said I think that was tough to hear for sure just for the simple fact that I pride myself on being a good teammate and everywhere I've went Every organization that I've been a part of, minus Oakland, has offered me extensions, has wanted me to stay back. Obviously, it didn't work out that way. And that's just the business end of it. And also, everywhere I went, I've won. I think part of winning is having good team chemistry. And I've taken pride everywhere I've went. I've always tried to help people try to get better. And see, the thing was, one of his former teammates played for the White Sox and said he wasn't a fan of Donaldson. He's like, I know Liam has come out a couple of times and said some stuff about me. It's weird because I hear one thing, then when I see him, it's different. So it's definitely been confusing for that. I'm not saying that every one of my teammates is I've always been best friends with. I think everybody wanted to have a say, but they don't know my heart. I do feel bad that the (laughs) Robinson family, I never wanted them to feel their name ever be regarded in a bad light. That's why I issued the apology gosh yes hold on hold on hold on hold on Hold on. we got a little more he basically blamed it all on the white Sox. he says i think when it comes down to it over the last couple of years there's been animosity from their team towards me and i don't really have a problem with the team i think there's some stuff that was in question from last year and by the way he's like he doesn't know why he has beef with the team this is the next paragraph in the story last season in chicago donaldson alleged ace lucas giolito had benefited from the use of illegal six sticky substances he said he intends to stop his chattiness with the white socks this dude has no clue that people don't like him and cannot figure out why it is that people don't like him even though it seems to be abundantly clear why it is that people don't like him
1: if you're the one that people don't like you never know you're the one that people don't like I don't think that's rare. If you have like a propensity to do, I don't even know the word that's not profane, to do these type of things, <laughs> you know, like to be uh, poking somebody where they don't want to be poked with nicknames that they obviously don't like. You out here dry snitching. Ain't nobody asked you about what other people was using. And even if they did, no reason for you to tell. I don't know what else he has done, but I heard, I, I didn't read that article, but when this all came out, I heard like generally, Donaldson and then the fam case is different. Those two guys are kind of heard. They aren't really liked that much around baseball. And <laughs> in, in baseball, you live with them dudes. So that's, you really get to know them. And. Hold yeah, on, hold sometimes on. you got to slap
0: it. I'm about to shoot you something. I know the video producers get worried when they see me looking at the phone, but I'm doing this so that I can send you something for you to look at. I don't want you to talk about what you see on your phone, but I just want you to look at it, and I'm just saying oh. that uh, Josh Donaldson need to- all right, I said that to you before. That's right. You said you said yeah, that to me. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. look at that Josh Donaldson like, "Yo, tell your crew to be easy, like, <laughs> ease up, dog. E- just let this thing pass before it gets worse for you." That's that's generally the
1: move. You don't want people to to start digging. <laughs> yeah, you just like, go ahead and, and and keep it moving.
0: It's been very interesting to me to see the way the baseball press has handled this and you know this and i think that the people who think they hate me don't quite understand this about me but you worked with me for years and you could demonstrate this i don't really spend a lot of time trying to litigate who is and is not a racist right like i just don't think you know the actions are the part that matter like i don't i don't spend a lot of time trying to get to the bottom of it right but the general public in these moments is always absolutely concerned with whether somebody is a racist or is this thing racist, right? They always, you know, that's that's always a thing. But when it happens, we always get into the, well, we don't know his heart, right? Like that's that's the <laughs> game that people play. And by the way, there's something to that, right? You don't yeah, know what is. somebody's heart is, but you do know what people do. And people around baseball demonstrated no interest in being like, hey, maybe we should look into what Josh Donaldson does, right? Because, by the way, I don't think they need to look into it that much because they there all the time, too. Like, you talk about how, you know, they all around each other. The writers and everybody else is all around them dudes, man. They know Josh Donaldson. They know what time it is in whatever direction it is. They ain't got to pretend like it's a mystery. Yet everybody gets handcuffed in these moments and they suddenly like, oh, I don't know, man. I can't, like, put no thing on his head to read his brain or nothing like that. So I'm just, can we talk about something else, please? This is so. This is,
1: impacts all of the stories. I had a like a long conversation with with Mina yesterday, um, about a number of things, but one of them was the Deshaun Watson stuff, like more allegations coming up, and her and I just kind of, I mean, it's an obvious thing, but it just hit me in that moment is like we personalize things. It's just human nature, I, I guess. And when you start to hear a story, I think you start to put. Yourself in the shoes of the person you're most like, <laughs> and I think that's probably what happens with a lot of people around. None of us are perfect, like, if you went through the entire history of my life, you can find things that I did that were like insensitive on a number of different levels. So, when I see somebody else doing something, and I'm a writer or a reporter. I'm like, man, I don't know his heart, (laughs) because even though you out here doing some racist stuff or some sexist stuff or whatever type of stuff you doing, you want people to look at you and be like, he's a good person. And we talked about the Deshaun Watson stuff, and I was like just kind of talking about it from and you and I have been very outspoken and like. Harder on Deshaun Watson than most people, but I was still talking about it from his perspective. Whereas Mina, obviously, she identifies more with the women, which made for a really good conversation. But I think that's what's happening in this, and this ties to Dan Snyder. This ties to a bunch of things that are going on right now with the owners. People talk about Dan Snyder gonna get his team taken. Nah, cause when they look at Dan Snyder, the other owners, they see themselves, and they maybe they mad at him.
0: They don't want to set that precedent to have people all up in their stuff but see what gets me about that and i think there's something to it is if we was talking about like borderline stuff and maybe that's the thing with josh donaldson that the thing that he actually did that we know about here right the thing that's in the news is a borderline situation and so people don't want to go there but i i don't think that people had any interest in seeing if there was anything past the borderline you know what i mean because my inclination in that moment when that happens This would be my thought. Why don't you get on the phone with some of Josh Donaldson's black and Latino teammates and ask them about what their experiences have been with him? Because it was notable that it was Aaron Judge that was like, nah, I shouldn't have done that, homie. You know, like the manager uh-huh. did too. Don't get me wrong, but the six uh-huh. eight black dude was like, "Hey, hey, hey, dog, hey, dog, hey." I bet you ain't gonna say that to me, right? You know, <laughs> like, you know, you know, like maybe, maybe that's the direction that it goes in. But it's just, I find it just so genuinely dishonest in the way the media handles this because they see it and they know that it could be a a controversy, right? And it's the kind of thing that can get people a little riled up and a little charged up. And that's when they push it, but not for any actual exploration to figure out kind of what exactly is going on here. Because see, here's the difference between baseball and these other sports, man. Like with basketball, there ain't really no place no white man feels safe doing nothing like that, right? <laughs> like, in, like in baseball, you might feel like it. In football, yeah. it's some wild boys who might be willing yeah. to do it. But by and large, they ain't feeling too safe. Like Derek Wolf might decide he going to do something like that, right? And everybody going to be like, come on, Derek, why are you talking to me like that?
1: <laughs> the tough thing about the Derek Wolf situation is he's still in a D line room. This stuff m- can potentially go on in an O line room.
0: Yeah. And that that about it. <laughs> yeah. Like
1: maybe the quarterback room.
0: <laughs> that about it. Yo, with Derek Wolf, though, I just remember, and like Derek Wolf was like outspoken. Like, yeah, I'm about this Trump thing, right? right? Like, I want to be yeah, clear. I remember. I don't know. Here I go. I don't know Derek Wolfe's heart, but like I really don't. But 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 I want to make clear that I'm not trying to cast aspersions on him like past the Trump thing. But what I do know is after a team wins the Super Bowl, when I you know they go do all the interviews, so we had all those Broncos on highly questionable in early 2016. And Dan used to always love to ask like, who's the guy in the locker room nobody wants no problems with? And the answer to a man was Derek Wolfe. All I'm saying is Derek Wolf might be able to say some wild stuff. It can't be like, that hey, man, come on, man. Like, you know, you, you know, we're not even going to do nothing, dog. Like, why you even got to be going like that? But in baseball, white man can get yeah. out here and feel OK, like dropping this. But we're not going to explore it. And that gets me also to like Gabe Kapler. My buddy Nick did a good thing on his podcast about this. If you didn't understand that the problem with Kaepernick was not about the anthem and it was all about blackness. Just look at the muted way that the Gabe Kapler thing was, ha- you know, was dealt with, where he decided he wasn't going to come out for the National Anthem. Tony La had something to say about it, but I saw a whole lot more people who came down hard on Kaepernick who just let this one go. It just wasn't even something that they was willing to talk about because they didn't think it would actually get people stirred up. And so they just let it go. Yeah, I-, I
1: think the media also in these situations, particularly the baseball media, that's what we're talking about right now, I think they see the Donaldson issue, and what's the value in it for them to dig? Like, what do they get out of this? They aren't going to be celebrated for it. The team's going to hate them. The league's going to hate them. Donaldson's going to hate them, depending on what they uncover. Like, it, I don't know the—like, you talk about incentives a lot. I don't know the what in this incentive structure, other than, like— doing your job (laughs) but you want to keep your job i I, it's just it's hard for me to understand and then you layer that with the with the fact that they probably identify with him when they look at the people who would be upset by this and then and then they look at the guy who might have some things that are questionable or done some questionable things they probably identify with that like eh, i'm good i don't know what's hot
0: here's the other thing intra-racially, intra-ethnically, whichever term you wish to use, there's often an implicit expectation of some like secret keep. You know what I mean? So if you remember the wildly inflammatory uh, story in Sports Illustrated with John Rocker in 1999, 2000, whichever year it was, but it was right around then, he was just so loose with all of that right like every the wildest thing to me in that john rocker story by the way is as i recall they was like driving around atlanta and it was some bad driver and john rocker was like i bet it's an asian driver in atlanta (laughs) with all due respect i've spent a lot of the last 25 years in atlanta maybe it's changed more recently but i'm gonna tell you in the year 2000 you wouldn't just run it, like blowing past Asians on the freeway like that just that just that just wouldn't happen. And right like but he was so caught in it anyway, the story ran and it just seemed very clear. He misunderstood who the white man was that was sitting next to him. The white man next to him was Jeff Perlman, who I've known now for almost 20 years. I like Jeff a lot. Jeff's the dude that's gonna write that, right? Like Jeff is the dude to be mortified by what he had heard and decide this is the story that I'm gonna write about you. But Rocker clearly was operating on the expectation that we in the circle, we in the crew. You ain't gonna say nothing about that, right? Black writers talk about this all the time with their expectation offered from black players. They're like, yo, I thought you was gonna look out for me. But like I think we understand that from black people because it ain't but so many of us in these spaces, right? Now the white man is just like, nah, man, we don't come on now. You you know how it is. We don't talk about that stuff. And then we go from there.
1: There are some things that, like, other I see other black people and we just know. Like, there's certain things that take place. And we're a, a black person I never met before. We look at each other and we just know. It happened this morning, actually, after I dropped my kids off at school, stopped at a place to get some food, and somebody was in there acting up. And me and a black lady was looking at each other while this person was acting up. Like, man. Like, <laughs> you know, you just know. And most of the time for us, it's like ain't fair is essentially what we're looking at each other saying and the idea that some people might believe some white people might believe that the thing that's understood is at least in the john rocker cases racism's cool we just got to cover it up like mm-hmm. that to me is seems to be what some people believe is like the implicit understanding. And so me and this black lady watching this person make a big scene and slow it up off for everybody because of whatever they didn't get enough sugar in their coffee or something. And we looking like <sighs> like we know we know what this is, but he in a car with a random white man that he don't know from anybody and, and it just out here just slinging racists around like yes. to imagine hard, that hard. he got to the age yeah to imagine that he got to the age that he he was and never learned to like, that you gotta mask this you gotta <laughs> know you gotta like that is the scary part like you never got to the place where you gotta know that Oh, we got to slow down a little bit. I got to get to know you first. The man skipped right past all the bases of getting to know somebody and went right
0: straight to the racism. Yeah, but see, the thing with Rocker was, and like for those of y'all who don't know country white folks, like this is the thing you don't understand. He from Macon, right? So who knows what in the world in Macon, Georgia, he was here and around amongst those people. But John Rocker is also the dude that'll be like, because I think one of the things they talked like, about, they talked to, you know, dudes who were in the minors with them, dudes that had made the show, like black dudes. And they were like, no, nah, Rocker's not a racist. Like, Rocker will have these things that he thinks about everybody, but can kick it with you. You see what I'm saying? And those guys, they don't get that, right? And by the way, they become interesting because very often the people who do get all the big stuff would not kick it with the you, that John Rocker would kick it with right like that's that's the argument that he wants up make it but no that cat like that don't even think he like that because he think he kicking it with these dudes i just know with josh donaldson if people want to get to the bottom of it there's three questions you could ask them i got them like if you cover baseball and you want to know the three questions you can hit me up i don't do that job i ain't gonna do it for you but i tell you i can give you the three questions and if you wanted to you could have got to the bottom of it spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Peloton All-Access Membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. I don't want to go too deep into that because I want to talk to you about what I think is an interesting sort of new dawn in the NFL, and I want to bring this up from a union perspective as you, you know, with your work with the Players Association, one thing the NFL absolutely tried to do was legislate the holdout out of the game. Right, like They made the punishment so punitive for you holding out, and the holdout I thought was a necessary institutional construct because of the nature of these non-guaranteed deals. It was the only leverage that the player had. The owner can decide to rip up the contract. Therefore, the player should be able to also make a very similar decision and let you decide what your move is going to be. But this Kyler Murray thing is interesting because I don't think he would wind up holding out per se. However... It's a whole different ball game when you start having a quarterback with the prospect of holding out. Like, I feel like the leverage of the quarterback is much, much stronger. Because this dude is out here like, look, I'm supposed to get $35 million over the next two years. And if I'm going to be honest with y'all, I'm going to need my money right now. I'll be out here doing this roll run of stuff, taking these licks. I'm going to need to get paid right now. If he were to say, I'm not coming if y'all don't pay me, I don't see what choice they got other than to pay him. Do you? <laughs>
1: No, the tough thing about the holdout is what you said. They made it very punitive. But if you don't care about the penalty, then it's still there. Like you still have the ability like you used to be able to force the team to rescind the fines or pay your fines. Now, apparently you can't do that. And it's like fifty thousand dollars a day, which is a lot of money. But it's not a lot of money if you're going to make thirty five over two and you're negotiating for fifty over one. So, all right, I can hold out for that. So it's not that punitive. But even if it is like incredibly punitive, if you got the with guys like playing longer and longer and maybe Kyler Murray won't be one of these guys because of the way he plays. But if you got the heart to sit out a year and like you really mean it, I don't think it's that like detrimental to you professionally. Because they're going to pay you, especially at quarterback. They're going to pay you or they're going to trade you to try to get something for you. They're not just going to let a legitimate franchise quarterback just sit around and do nothing for them. So, like, they want to remove the leverage from the players in any way they can. But in your ability and your fortitude, like, if you got it and he's made enough money, like, I know we want to make more and more money, but... He ain't coming off of <laughs> off a fourth round deal like Dak was back in the day. This man has got number one overall pick money. If he want to live the rest of his life, he could lived the rest of his life happily off this money that he got right now. So
0: I'm with him. Sit out. I'm surprised he ain't on Instagram at a batting cage. Is that happened yet? Yep. Like I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like it's about that time for him to be out there. You know, like oh, I love the smell of the leather of the glove. Right. Like just just to remind you guys, I might consider going to do that other thing. Maybe just maybe just throwing this out there at your dog, just seeing if you might uh give us some consideration. Now, my question with the Cardinals with him is. How high is the ceiling on your little bitty quarterback? Because I think he is an incredible athlete. I think that he's a really good quarterback, right? Like, I don't want to reduce him to athlete playing quarterback. But I just don't know what you can do with a little bitty quarterback. Like, Russell Wilson was an interesting case, and they obviously won the Super Bowl with him. And I have not truly felt that he was an impediment to their success at any point. But when they won that Super Bowl, they won it on the back of defense, and they didn't ask that much of him you still have to take a zillion sacks a year if you're going to have Russell Wilson because of the things he's going to have to do to be able to see because he's a little bitty quarterback. And so if I were the Cardinals, I would have some measure of reservation about how much exactly do we put in on this given that this may be a guy that we can win a lot of games with but can't win a Super Bowl. However, he's a guy you can win a lot of games with and you ain't just about to go out here and find another one. There's not one laying around that you can pick up off the waiver wire. You're just going to have to pay this man.
1: Right. I don't know the full dynamics of their cap situation, but given what you said, that's all the more reason to pay this man. Now you pay him now, pay him as early as possible. Don't defer this decision. You pay him now is cheaper. And then if you do get to a point like in the next couple of years where you're like, "Uh, we got to move on from him, then you would have already used up a couple years of the contract and you can go from there. If you want to push it and push it and push it and then like give him an extension, a five-year extension after five years, then you are like stuck with him, which is not a bad place to be stuck because he is incredibly good. But my issue with Cardinals is not with Kyler Murray. It's with Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime and their decisions to stick and Bidwell's decision to stick with both of them because the roster has not been good, especially on the defense. They've taken some swings and they've missed. And the play calling has like devolved over the course of the season. All of us were very critical of the Kingsbury hire for obvious reasons. He wasn't even good enough to get a head coaching job in college. And somehow he gets a head coaching job in the NFL. And then I started watching him and I was like, oh, I might have to eat my words because I thought that they were progressive and smart. They were running the ball when I thought that he was going to be spread, throw it all over the place. But it seems like as the season goes on, he gets more conservative and worse. And they like, let's sign me up for five more years of that. And that's, if I'm Kyler Murray, that's, I want my money. But I'm also like, I don't mind leaving this
0: place. Because I
1: I don't think he's the right guy.
0: Kingsbury, that is. Steve Kime, aka Suge White, who we cannot forget, got a DUI, kept his job, and then fired Steve Wilkes after one season. Now, I don't know whether or not Steve Wilkes should have been fired. I mean, there's obviously a clear argument for it. Nobody has hired him to be a head coach since, but you get my point. Cliff who seems to be a very likable fellow um and has done better than i thought he would just to be clear because the defense of him with his record at texas tech was like well who can win at texas tech when everybody that had had the job for the previous 25 30 years had done better than he had like you can you can go look at it he was the worst of all those cats other people had figured out how to get it done he did not and he had nfl quarterbacks plural Baker Mayfield, Davis Webb, I mean, who's not obviously not a great NFL quarterback, but he got drafted in the third round, and then he got Patrick Mahomes. Like They couldn't win games with Patrick Mahomes. Like, you know, that, that okay. Um, and so I've had the same skepticism and criticisms that you I had the same arc as you. Like, yo, this has gone better, and this is a pretty good team, but you're right. Everybody seems to catch up with what he's doing on offense. It's like, he seems to make the changes that he needs to make almost at the beginning of the year, and then he'll be like, cool, well, we're going to make more changes at the end of the year. I have been stunned by how he figured out how to run the ball out of that set. I gave him credit for thinking he could run four wide receivers every play, realizing he couldn't. He did those things. I just don't think he's supposed to be your head coach. But whoever you bring in, if it's Murray, I don't know if your head coach is going to have to be a Cliff Kingsbury type. But whoever it is, you got to go all the way in on this quarterback and play in a type of football that at one point would have been revolutionary, but now seems a lot like what everybody else plays you mentioned earlier, is about options.
1: Like, Kyler has options that no one else has. He has this baseball option, which gives him an extra bit of leverage. They, and by they, I mean more than the Cardinals, I mean more than the NFL, I mean all people that fall in the category of the man. <laughs> they don't want you to have no options. And the worst thing in the world is for a man with some options who can tell you, who has F-you money or F-you opportunities and can tell you that. So they particularly... Hate that right now. And then on top of it, they don't got no options. Right. <laughs> what you going to do without Kyler? It's the only spark y'all had since Kurt Warner. Y'all better not play with that. As, as expensive as all this stuff is, you better pay that man.
0: Even if it wasn't a spark, there just aren't quarterbacks. How much money have we watched <laughs> Kurt Cousins make? Because there aren't quarterbacks. They just aren't there and so if he wants to lean in on it and think, look man if you follow the history of Kyler Murray you got to understand something about him he is quite possibly the greatest high school football player ever in the state of Texas I'm not saying that to say that that matters for anything right now I am saying though that it matters in the discussion of how Kyler Murray views himself how Kyler Murray and his father see his talents and what he is able to do. That man is not no dude who's under no misgivings about just how important he is. Trust me. Trust me. He gets it. What what they say? He knows his worth. <laughs> and it's and it's more than 35 over two. Yes. Yeah. It's, <laughs> this is crazy talk. Up. Yo, and then you get Lamar on the other side. Lamar just over here, like, yeah, i get to it when I get to it.
1: I've been thinking about the Lamar situation often and I know that there is like career ending insurance and there's like career devaluing insurance. I'm assuming he got it. I'm assuming he got it because if he does have that, then ain't nothing to worry about because he's proven himself as an MVP. If he was trying to get the free agency, like true free agency, and he wants to wait to get there, then fine. If you have all this insurance to protect you, otherwise, it doesn't make sense to me not engaging them and we don't know the deals that are out there so the first reaction is to react to the stories that are put out there which obviously have a slant and that's like Lamar not trying to get a deal done and to us we're like what everybody want to get a deal done as soon as possible but we don't know how this process is gone. They offered him something he don't like. Then Deshaun Watson, coming off of his allegations, signed a monster guarantee. And then if I'm Lamar, I go back to
0: them like, I want that. He don't got no MVPs. I ain't got in trouble. That's the issue right there. Like, this is why the owners had to be furious. There's no argument for paying Deshaun Watson more money than you pay Lamar Jackson. Not one. And, that, and if I walk in
1: to the office, was it Costa now? I walk into his office And people make a big deal about Lamar not having an agent. You don't need an agent. (laughs) You go take that deal that Deshaun signed and you cross his name out and cross out the last digit before the decimal point and put one more on it and then write your name in his place and put it on his desk. I don't need nobody to, to negotiate that for me. It's that simple when you're as good as he is.
0: Yeah, except you need the agent just so we don't have to do this. If he had an agent, this is done, I think, like regardless of what the money is, not saying it gets done for less, but I feel like, yo, this is a young dude that don't feel like doing this right now, right? They're like, yo, you wanna get this contract done? No, man, I'm enjoying my summer, man. I'm gonna holler back at y'all at the end, right? Or maybe his game is, I'm gonna play this all the way out and then I'm gonna have all the leverage, which, I mean, that is a play. You can do that because the thing about the career-ending insurance thing is your career has to end, I think they do have devaluing insurance too. I'm not sure. I
1: know I've heard people have gotten that, so I don't know about his case.
0: But I know getting the money isn't so easy. It's just filling out a form and then they hit you back and they give you a dough, right? (laughs) Like this is the reason I thought he needed an agent. It's not about his capabilities or whether he's bright enough to handle his deals. Just who wants to hassle? Like I personally would not want to hassle. Now, what I also wonder in this, he may not have an agent, but he does have a mama and she ain't no joke from every indication that I've received. And so Maybe she's doing that. Maybe she's on the calls. You know what I'm saying? Maybe she's the one that's handling these things. I don't have a great answer for that, but I think having a rep—it's not even ten percent in the league. It's three. It three, would be yeah. worth the three. I agree with you.
1: I'd rather have the representation. However, I think the the impulse is for everyone to say that what he's doing is dumb and wrong. Oh and no, I know I'm not you're not. That. Yeah, I know. I know you're not saying that. But so I, I've tried to like look at this because it's unorthodox. I've tried to look at this and figure out how this helps and challenge myself to make this argument is agents work for you, but it is in their best interest to have good relationships with the teams. You come and you go. The GMs, the coaches, they're going to be there forever. So as much as you like, I pay him, he worked for me. The incentive, maybe it's true that he's going to fall on his sword he gonna burn down all his relationships he gonna do whatever he can to get you the best deal or she maybe it's true but the incentive is that they keep their relationships with these other dudes because the more players gonna come through that's true that's true and your mama (laughs) yeah there's one thing i know about mamas all mamas (laughs) is they gonna have their kids back
0: yeah but i think only thing is they think they can play y'all and maybe you will ultimately demonstrate that they can't play y'all but I would like to save time and not have to go through this oh, period no, of demonstrating. I had an agent my whole career. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah man. Nah, that was, I mean, you got a chef, but you ain't got no agent. You know what I'm saying? Like that's all. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't get the logic. I mean, I don't know if he has a chef, but I bet he do. Like I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't nah, couldn't be me. What do you think about Aaron Donald? Because I had been hearing since the day of the Super Bowl about the retirement stuff, and then the retirement stuff came. I mean, it was a little before the Super Bowl, but then the retirement stuff became public, and now he wants his bread, or he says that he will retire. And I'm kind of like, I mean, Donald, do you just really want to retire? Because if you do, just go yeah. ahead. Yeah. It's a weird
1: position to take, because to me, it doesn't make sense. I think he's like set to get like 15 or something. And I think that puts him somewhere in like the 100 highest played players in football. He wants to be the number one defensive player. I don't know what that number is. Probably like 30 something, I'm guessing. So if you are threatening to retire because you want more money, I'm supposed to believe that you ain't going to show up for the money that's on the table. (laughs) That's the one that's hard for me to logical leap. It is for me to make is okay. You want to like hold out. You want to scare this team into paying you. It just doesn't make sense because I'm like, you want money. You want more money. So you're going to leave 15? No, you're not. You're not going to leave 15. If you're ready to retire, then you're going to retire. If you're not ready to retire and you want more money, you're going to get more money. So I'm all for, you know me, I want players to get paid. I want them to get his money, but it just don't make sense as a strategy to me to say, I'm fine with folding it up. like It would make more sense to say, like I wanna get traded to someone who's gonna pay me. That would make sense. And I'm willing to sit out because of it. I still have the hunger for football. I wanna get more rings. But saying, man, eight years, Hall of Fame career, I'll shut it down unless you pay
0: me double. Well, see, that's the thing. My question is the hunger for football. And I don't say that as a judgment, just to be clear, right? But the reason I question that is, We've been hearing about this dude talk about retiring for now almost like four months, right? you hearing about that before the Super Bowl, like going into the Super Bowl, you're looking (laughs) at it like, yo, if I get this, I have nothing left to gain. And by the way, he has nothing left to gain. Like whatever it is that we think about Aaron Donald historically as a football player, it's all settled already, right? We are here. He is a rich man's John Randall, an incredible thing to say about somebody. And a team won a Super Bowl with him being the best player on that team, where he made the play to shut it down and win the Super Bowl. Like it's not really often that a defensive player is in a position to make the game-controlling, game-defining play as he did, and not just because it was random, right? Because he decided to be the dude to do it, right? It's all tackle at that, at defensive (laughs) tackle,
1: correct? At three, (laughs) that don't happen. (laughs) He ended the NFC Championship game, and then he had the two
0: final plays to end the Super Bowl. Yeah. Proceed. You know, that's how crazy it is to look at him and be like, oh, yeah, he's definitely better than Warren Sapp.
1: <laughs> I was having this conversation over text with Himbo the other day about, like, who is the comp for him there? And Warren Sapp obviously came up. But he's definitely better than Warren Sapp. And Warren Sapp is ridiculous.
0: Yes, yes. somehow he's smaller than sap but better right like john randall is like probably more like the physical comp seems to hold but john randall was just like if he was a basketball player he'd get the tommy points you know what i'm saying aaron donald is all that intensity and apparently the strongest man in the world
1: (laughs) it's outrageous in the way the idea that the way that the game changed too. it made it more difficult to be impactful from where he is and somehow he's more impactful
0: than anybody ever at that spot yeah <laughs> it's craziness it's, it's craziness. just like i mean i just don't feel i feel like he gonna mess around and let them talk him into doing something he don't feel like he'd be like phil jackson with the knicks well i'll take the job if you pay me 12 million dollars exactly damn they just offered exactly. me 12 million dollars <laughs> well i guess i gotta do that huh that's absolutely right
1: and just like that um running a basketball team is the same as playing defensive tackle you can't half-ass neither of those (laughs) things you're gonna have to be in slovenia watching these uh other leagues play ball you gonna have to be in training camp banging heads with centers and guards yes it just has to be that way
0: yes We talked also, you mentioned earlier, about uh, Congress want Goodell and Dan Snyder to come holler at him for a little bit, let him know what was going on with the commando's little investigation. And it was a little investigation. I mean, they seem like to have a lot of pages, but the investigation fell a little in the way that everybody surrounding it treated it. And you don't think they're going to take this man's team from him. I think they want to take this man's team from him. I think they're afraid he'll blow up their spot. They took Jerry Richardson's Who's- team from him. So I can't say... Right. That, I'm talking about the the other owners. Yeah, the owners. Yeah, they took Jerry Richardson's team from him. So I can't say that they won't take a team from somebody. But Jerry Richardson, you know, was willing to take one for the team. Dan Snyder ain't about to do that at all. He won't take one for his team. That's the difference. They didn't take his team from him.
1: He sold his team. Yeah. He wasn't up for the fight. I don't believe that they got the two-thirds vote that you would need. I think it's two-thirds of the owners would have to vote in order to kick you out. I don't know a time when that's happened. They was like, look, man, we need you to slide up out of here. Is it like back to the holdout analogy. We need you to leave. If he was like, nah, I don't think they voting him out. I, like, I just don't see it happening. And this case is interesting because like Congress wants to look into his financial, like look into his books. They also want to look at this investigation. They want to get all up in this man's organization. That's a precedent that they don't want to set. They are like 30 brothers in one house. And you may not like your brother, but when mama start going through drawers and stuff, you're like, ho, 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 ho. (laughs) I want him to get a beating, but but I don't want to set this precedent that you can look under people's beds. And that's how I feel like two paths. One path is we run them up out the league, but we have to let all these people in and we have to set this precedent. The other path is we let them stay. And he gets vitriol like to me, that seems like the obvious path that they would want to follow or just encourage him to sell his team because that path does not involve subjecting themselves to the risk of having Congress in the books is a big deal. When we're in negotiations, we try to do everything to understand what their real financial, what what happens really in the finances of a team, because that's how they construct all their arguments it's based on the fact that they are not making enough money. Those owners will do anything to make sure that no one gets a piece of them books. So I I can't imagine that they're gonna, I mean, it was an invitation, it wasn't a subpoena. Roger ain't going to talk to nobody and neither is Dan. Yo, I can't believe that that
0: man really tried to steal that money from the cats. Like that that just seemed like some real low stuff to do. Like how cheap is this? You're not, and honestly, I guess the teams don't look that close at the line items, but I feel like this should have just been easy math, right? Like, you know how many seats that stadium got? You know how many tickets they say they sold? Like
1: The accounting is incredibly complicated. So when I was at the MBPA, we would always have to do re-ups because it was basketball-related revenue was what the money was based on so here's an example you would get signage in your stadium and the sponsors would pay a certain amount of dollars to have signage in a stadium and the team would go back and since the signs didn't change and they would also have like ice capes and other concerts in there and the signage there they would go and try to say and you, you negotiate with a sponsor one price they go and say like all right well 40 percent of this signage is because they wanted the people at Ice Capades to see it, <laughs> you know, so like there, I don't understand exactly how Dan was over here skimming or Dan's guys were skimming because I don't imagine uh, my guess is like Dan knows about everything, but my guess is he wasn't in there like, hey, let's skim some. It's just people trying to read their numbers. They trying to get to where they need to go. They trying to get an attaboy from the boss. And they're like, you know where we could skim a little bit? <laughs> and so like there's, when there's a big organization like that, there's a lot of moving parts in, in accounting. It's all about how you define certain things. You can define things differently. It can't be that hard to steal.
0: I just don't know why Dan Snyder just don't sell this team because nobody's happy with him owning it. Not even the teams that play against his team who are happy for the wins nobody's happy for him to be around. He doesn't seem happy being around.
1: That was my first question. And I guess that maybe that's the difference between people who become billionaires and me is like, it's too much hassle. I don't need people to know my name that much. I don't want a Super Bowl ring that bad. Like, assuming that, I mean, I know Dan Sider accepts that there were bad things going on in his organization. He's not willing to accept that he, like, participated in which there are allegations that he did but either way i don't want to have to run this foolishness keep getting whooped every week and then also we out here assaulting people like give me my what they worth now five seven <laughs> give me my 10 billion dollars because jeff bezos are paid in a in a second and let me go somewhere else and do something
0: else I can only assume that he's just unhappy everywhere else, right? Because like I say, the unhappiness for everybody associated with what he's doing now is clear. I can just assume for him that he don't see the difference between being that where he at versus being that where he was going to ultimately wind up being. Because I've talked about this. The history of that franchise is weird because we think of them as being one of the great franchises, but they're not, actually. They've been one of the worst franchises. They just had an 11-year run with Joe Gibbs where they really got some stuff done, right? Like, they got, you know, the George Allen years weren't so bad. But other than that, man, they was boo-boo because they decided being racist was more important than winning football (laughs) games, right? After Joe Gibbs left... Nothing cracked, right? It was pretty good when Joe, like a little bit good when Joe Gibbs came back around, but they haven't had it like this is not a traditionally great franchise. We've just conned ourselves into believing that because they did it right at a good time. What is there here? right? They try to build a stadium don't nobody really want them to do it? Nobody really wants to be the one to have their little stadium. You know how hard it is to be that way with an NFL team
1: <laughs> they trying to go to Virginia now, they're doing all types of stuff. It is a mess and I think you're right. I I hadn't really considered it because you're right. In my mind, uh, the Washington football team, it feels like football. It feels like the NFL. And it's probably just because they were like good at the time when like football was blowing up. And then they had the Doug Williams year, which like does not right any of the wrongs of their history, but it changes the perception on it. But that's one of the wild things like this city is becoming where I live now in D.C. is becoming less and less black. But it's been one of the blackest and like successful black cities in all of the country. If you come here, you will see more black people in cowboy starter jackets than anything else. And it is only because they racist. Yeah, i will like,
0: See, see, that's the thing that people don't understand about us as black folks, which is if we got a root against somebody, it's possibly the white folks closest to us, right? Like, like, <laughs> like, like, like the white folks that are actually treating us badly on a day-to-day basis. We are not on board with that team. So in Washington, you're right. The whole idea of this rivalry between those two teams, at least to me, has always just seemed to be about black people in that area. Right. Because that's, you know, that's really what it comes down to, because the people that were rooting for that team that was playing Dixie and everything else, man, like Joel gives me hell for rooting for Texas. But like when I did that, it was much later in time, you know, like I had I had no recollection or understanding of all that stuff that was being discussed with that team. Everybody knows what time it is. And they were the over the top. They were the old Miss of football, basically. <laughs> and open about it. It's a heritage
1: that gets passed down it's like you hear people talking about it and maybe they changed their name maybe some things are changing i don't know but they aren't good either so like you're not going to get the young black fans now because like i'd be willing to bet that there are more black cowboy fans in washington than there are like commanders fans because like i grew up in baltimore and i heard the stories (laughs) and we didn't have a team when i was growing up so like maybe i root for washington and the black men around me was like, no, 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 my friend. That's what we ain't going to root for. You root for whoever you want, but not them.
0: Yo, and it ain't like Baltimore is some progressive, Mm-mm. like, like uh-uh. ahead of its time. But the Colts had big daddy lips be cats out there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, <laughs> meanwhile, they over there literally whistling Dixie.
1: And I'm sure there are other teams that were doing the same thing. But to your point, you made a second ago. But you the white people closest to us. Yes. and you the white people who are throwing it in our face and it was yeah i don't know i don't have those same memories and of the cults or washington because like i wasn't paying attention at those times but when i was paying attention to football um washington was pretty good yep when i first started and the Colts says we're long gone and i was like, all right i'm close to here Nah, how about you go ahead and root for them 49ers instead? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was not allowed. This what you're not going to do. <laughs> what you, what you is, ain't going to do <laughs> is root for that team who has that openly racist past and present because they were still called the R's back yeah, then. You might
0: as well have come in and said you was going to root for Duke. Like, nah, nah. I didn't know you was already ready to get your own apartment. You're a precocious young man. My dad grew up in Charlotte and...
1: The place called The Rocks in Charlotte. <laughs> like, you know this. I don't have to explain it to anybody else. UNC is not like some incredible liberal progressive bastion, but it is compared to Duke. And if you grew up in Charlotte, you rooting for UNC is like rooting for the NAACP. Yeah. And there was no chance that we... I remember watching all them tournaments, ACC tournaments, and we was wearing Carolina blue and, and
0: cheering for the good guys, Dean Smith and the Blacks. <laughs> you got to remember this, though. <laughs> Carolina is not the most liberal progressive bastion in the world. But uh, the word was Jesse Helms used to call it UNC, the University of N-Words and Communists. It is definitely more liberal than NC State. Right. Like yeah. you get to Duke, yeah. like when, you start, when you start comparing it to the local homies, you'd be like, oh, yeah, man, it does feel a little bit like Berkeley. <laughs> I
1: didn't know the NC State stuff until I, um, I was getting recruited. And so, like, we didn't think about NC State much when I was coming up, even though, like, I watched ACC and we root for Carolina basketball. Like, NC State, eh, okay, whatever. It was like it was UNC and Duke. And then NC State started recruiting me, and my dad never really wanted to, like, push me to go to any place or another. But I felt his mood change <laughs> when the NC State, when Chuck Amato came to my crib. I felt it. <laughs> and he wasn't going to stop me from going there, but I was like, oh, Okay this apparently this ain't the move (laughs) (laughs) oh chuck amato man oh barrel chested chuck Chuck, Chuck,
0: is an interesting dude that's that's the best i can put it chuck was an interesting (laughs) dude but hey this has been Foxworth friday that is dominating Foxworth. check him out on get up check him out on anscape check him out on debatable check him out wherever he is to be checked out it's greatly appreciated sir always man all right now also before we forget The Right Time Book Club. First episode is June 13th. June 13th, Howard Brown will be our first guest. The book is King of the World by David Remnick. Need you to read up to page 163 page 163 by june 13th also hit the voicemail line 860 516 4119 let us know about your fantasy football dispute like them dudes scrapping it out in baseball over that and ladies and gentlemen thanks so much for joining us here on the right time you do this three times a week Gabe Bassane and Adi Khan handle things behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Remember, follow The Right Time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy.
1: Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast.
0: You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.